It's time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs. As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe, what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This This is a show about about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together again. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Three Cups Talk. As usual, this is one of your hosts, this is Sean. I am here as usual with Uncle Chris. Hey guys, thank you for coming back. And Big Sergeant Scott. <laughs> hey, what's going on? What's I'm up, Sergeant? Charge me by my headphones. Hey, Chris is joining us from Tennessee. Uh, uh, Chris <laughs> say, Sherwin. What? We got another Chris on the show today. We'll get to that here in a minute. But um, Chris Sherwin's joining us from Tennessee. He's yeah, yeah. At, uh, it's at that Amway conference, right? Is that what it is? Right? Is that what you're doing? Is Amway? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you're going to get 20 a... pounds of aluminum foil for your, yeah, for right. your birthday. <laughs> right. It's perfect because I'm frying a lot of shrimp right now. And I don't know how, how to much, keep how it. much <laughs> saran wrap do you want? Anyway. anyway. <laughs> well, that's a, that being said. Anyway, but no, but wait, hold on. I am down. I am down here for PodFest or uh, the, the pod movement. Um, bunch of, uh, bunch of podcasters, you know, and, uh, you know, different microphones, you know, vendors and stuff like that. And, and it's pretty interesting that just by walking around, and people seeing, you know, your, my, uh, the badge, you know, that your three cops talk. And it's so, are you the police? Well, it's full. I'm like, well, yeah. So uh, like, oh, yeah. and they walk away. So after the first hour, everybody gets about like six beers in them. And then they're like, oh, yeah. So now, you know, tell me about your, now everybody's got this the, the, the liquid courage, right? You right. know, they're like, oh, right. tell me about your podcast, you right. know. Hey, can so, you bring me back really some cool, fireworks right? too while you're down there? <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, you know what, what, what we're seeing here, uh, our guest today is going to really help with something that we've been really all struggling with a lot lately as a country. One of the things I say is that we're really just really just, we can't stand each other anymore as a society. Everybody is constantly in everyone else's business. Everything that they say can be the worst thing that you could possibly say. And there's like, you know, like it's everything is, is tough. I mean, we're just not liking each other. It seems like everywhere you turn around, you look at some factor that's going on, whether it's COVID or whether it's a movie star doing something or saying something, everybody's in plain English, just hating on each other for no real reason. It seems like, uh, you know, what is that all about? Why are we having that problem as a society right now? And if you look around the people that are in power and things like that, I, I think I'm going to be honest with you. I think at times people want us to stay divided because it's just easier to control people in that sense. And what I like to do is, is kind of find people that have credibility in worlds where, you know, maybe I don't, you know, it's an interesting story about hate. I was stationed in Germany. Everybody knows that listens to this show by now that, Hey, I was in the military. You guys know that, right? You guys know I was in the military? Really? Yeah, right. I was. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Co- I was Coast like Guard, so right? much, pretty much like everybody else in Charleston. I was in the military. One of the things I, I, I thought was interesting when I was first stationed in Germany, I was back there in the early 90s, and we would have these things where staff would come and we'd meet people for some reason that would be a greater issue speaker or something like that. And one time we went to this dinner, it was called, uh, you know, we, all the officers were there, and um, there was this old couple sitting there and we're like, who's this? Is this somebody's parents? Like, you know, they didn't speak to us. They just sat there and did whatever. And we were like, you know, at that time you're questioning like, why am I in Germany? I'm like so far away from my family. It's cool to be here, but man, I'm so far away and all this other stuff. And then you realize who these people were when they started speaking to us and they were two Holocaust survivors. 
And they spoke to us as, uh, as a group of officers that were there way far away from our homes and families. And it kind of put in perspective, one, what hate was um, and that why we were there as Americans and part of the NATO force was to kind of keep that from happening again. And I'm really worried. I, I personally worry that we're going that route in the United States. I mean, I'm not saying it's Holocaust time or things like that, but I'm saying if we continue down this path of not really understanding what hatred and things like that are about, we're really going to lose sight of it. And we need good people that have experienced some things that can guide us through this stuff. Now, Charleston, to me, has always been an amazing city for that. And, and I'm, you know, I'm glad to be here. It's a city that has seen some really bad times. I mean, the slave trade, the Civil War, things like that. But it's also a city that's done some great things since then. Um, you guys up in Chicago, how's it going up there for you all with uh, us all getting along? How do you, how, what's the impression since I've left? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the impression is, is the more that the the more people you know, that you see that want us to that want to want to appear to keep us divided and want us divided, you know. I, to be honest with you, as this is, has been happening, I've been getting out and talking to more people, and it it's in actuality, in my opinion, I think there's more people that want to make sure the police and the civilians work together and get along and just people in general to get along. I think there's more people like that, but they don't have the venue, uh, you know, like for instance, and, and, and this is just to kind of honestly to boost our podcast. That's what this is for. We're trying to find venues where you can go to people and you can say, Hey, I don't like it when you do this. And then, we, you know, we can say, well, we do it because of this and not, we don't have to walk away from the table agreeing, but we have to walk away from the table respecting each other and not wanting to just basically kill each other. And I think there's more people that want to do that, to be honest with you, but they're just, they're just not given the venue to do that or the freedom to, to, to speak. Cause if they speak, they're going to get, they're going to get massacred. So we have to get more, more venues where people are, are that who are in I, favor of this to come along. I agree with you. And I think, the lockdowns and everything with, with COVID, a lot of people that I've talked to, I think that was kind of a thing that everybody, regardless of who you are, has been suffering through that together. And I'm starting to notice with more people being out and about and back together again, that I think people collectively are trying to all just be better together and work better together. I, I think I see more of that. I feel like I see more of that, mm -hmm. that that's something that we've all struggled with. And hopefully it'll be a thing, even though it was rough for everybody across the board. Hopefully it's something that people can all relate to together and maybe um, turn it into something positive. Yeah. And, and when I struggle with the things that I get mad about and the things that I resent about other people, I always try to harken back to like a better understanding that. But you're old. You get angry about everything. Yeah, I do not. I do not anymore. I'm much <laughs> kinder and softer than I used to be. I am. What, what, get, off, what? get off my, get off, get my, off my lawn. Get off my grass. Um, Anyway, but that's kind of a nice tie in where we can talk about with our with our guest today. And, and he's got a very powerful story that he's been sharing with people for a while. We want to give him a forum on our show to kind of further push the message. We're going to let him run with it. We're going to get a little uh, intro to him. Our guest is a former minor league baseball player that was drafted by our very own Chicago Cubs in Chicago. Um, he became a nationally renowned, renowned speaker with the message of resilience, forgiveness and unity following the loss of his mother in the 2015 Mother Emanuel Church tragedy in Charleston, South Carolina. He inspired Charleston and the nation by forgiving the man who murdered his mother. 
inspires his audience through his personal experience of adversity and belief that God can guide you through any storm you will ever pass. He now shares his message regularly with over 60 organizations annually, and his clients include Boeing, the Houston Texans, Microsoft, Biogen, Volvo, the Washington Wizard, and over 100,000 of students and educators across the world, perhaps the most important aspect of what he's doing, at least in my eye. One of his children's books, which he's written, it's called Different, a story about loving your neighbor, was a bestseller in its category. Um, he's been featured on ESPN's E60, Sports Illustrated Magazine, and USA Today. Um, he, his overall mission, guys, so you know, is speaking to inspire people in his audience with his story of resilience and to unite people, which is what we're trying to do with this show, um, through his belief that love is stronger than hate. So if you can, please give it up for our man, Chris Singleton, who we're glad to have you on the show today. Chris, thanks for being here. Um, we really, uh, appreciate Welcome, the fact Chris. Thanks so much for taking for the time. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you, guys. I'm just, you know, sitting back listening to you all. Uh, sounds like your brothers, man. <laughs> the back and forth that I hear, the jokes that I, that's going back and forth. I love it, man. But but I appreciate you guys having me on uh, to talk about what I share. So, you know, I, I never say I'm a motivational speaker. Like I always say, I'm not going to scream and yell at somebody. Like that's not me when I go in to speak to organizations. Um, you know, I'm about to actually speak to the Houston Texans again. Uh, in about a week and a half, and they actually want me to stay for their first game. Um, but you, when I go in, I talk about how these athletes can use their platform to bring people together. Um, these, there's kids that are looking at them. They're adults that, you know, are grown men that are, you know, cursing at the at the TV uh, every single weekend, uh, <laughs> cheering or, or cheering against these guys. And so I tell them to use their, their influence um, to bring people together. And my, my mission of unity isn't, you know, us sitting by the campfire singing Kumbaya, right? We... You know, some of us want to listen to, uh, you know, country music. Some of us want to listen to, you know, rap or R&B or whatever it may, want right. to, may be. Right. So that's not my mission. Um, but I think sometimes when we think when we, we talk about unity, we think we're always going to agree on everything. I'm glad that Chris mentioned. I think it was Chris that mentioned, hey, you know, even we may agree to disagree. Um, but at the end of the day, there should be a certain level of respect for one another that right. we can say, you know what, even though I don't agree with what you you know, your stance on this, I respect you as a human being. So I'm not going to say everybody that maybe thinks uh, like this or everybody that looks like this uh, thinks this way. Um, and I'll give you guys a quick example of what this looks like, right? A way to disagree, but still have a level of respect for somebody else, right? And I always talk about how uh, usually our stories, um, things that we experience in our lives, the way that we're raised usually lead us to our uh opinions on things, right? Think about it. Why, why do you believe what you believe? Usually two things. Uh, number one, you either were taught that growing up or number two, you experienced something to make you say, okay, this is why I believe what I believe. Um, and so for me, this is a really hot topic right now, but you know, one of the things that I don't um, like, I'll just say I don't like are guns, right? I don't like guns. And, and the, the reason why I say that is because once I tell you my story, you'll understand why I don't. My mother was shot eight times while she was praying. And so now when you hear my story, you can say, okay, that's Chris's experience. So now I understand why, why Chris doesn't like guns. But you know what else? When my buddy tells me, Chris, I grew up hunting my whole life, right? I'm from the South. This is what we do. I grew up, my grandmother had a gun. My grandfather had a gun, right? My pastor, my church was preaching on Sunday in the pulpit with a gun, right? That's just what I know, <laughs> right? And so when he tells me, you know what I'm saying? When he tells me he loves guns, guess what? We, we're going to agree to disagree. 
but I still love and respect him because I heard his story right before I heard his opinion. But oftentimes people hear the opinion, oh, he doesn't like guns. And they automatically put me in a box. They don't want to hear my story. They shut off their ears without coming to an agreement. You know what? Chris got a reason behind, Chris has got a reason behind his opinion, just like I've got a reason behind mine. Um, so I'm glad you shared that, Chris, because it segued right into me sharing that quick little example of um, how we often judge people without even realizing they got a story behind theirs, just like we do ours. Right. Yeah. I mean, the true liberal and, sense and of I the think word. What, it, go ahead, Chris. Right. Go, no, go ahead, Sean. I, you know, the, 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 the idea of liberal, the word liberal used to mean to people that, hey, I you know, might disagree with you, but I'll, you know, fight like hell for you to have that right to disagree with me. And we can have a beer at the end of the day in the true sense of the word. And that, and that term has been hijacked and it's been turned into a negative term, but the history of the word has been lost on so many people of kids getting along with each other. I mean, that come from a massive, you know, Irish Catholic family, for lack of a better term. Obviously, I know we're all Americans, but the bottom line is that there's a just at a Christmas party or a gathering when I was a kid, there was a wide swath of differing opinions from each other. But at the end of the day, we were all from the same, you know, you know, group of people. And it, it, it's kind of right. it seems like that's being lost on people. Uh, Chris, why? Why? I mean, like, why do you think that we as a society at this point have gotten to that point? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that um, and I don't want to, you know, credit the media too much. But sometimes, you know, you're only you're only able to be put in this box or that box. Right. And right. oftentimes nobody can just totally say I'm only this or I'm only that because you may agree with this and that. But you, you may say, oh, I also agree with this over here and that over there. But if if we categorize ourselves as one thing or just one belief or one political part, whatever it may be. We ought to, everybody thinks you automatically agree with everything um, when you take certain stances. And so that's what I've seen sometimes um, that people are doing. And, you know, once somebody says, hey, you know, I, 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 I'm for uh, stricter gun laws or I'm for police reform, people automatically say, oh, man, this means X, Y and Z about that person. When in actuality, that's probably right. not what it means at all. You know, mm-hmm. they, they're probably agreeing with you on this and agreeing with you on that. But they also have these things over here they're trying to um, get to and make sure that, you know, those things come to fruition. So I think people, are, they, put, they put each other in boxes too much when nobody's that simple. Right. We're, we're all complex. We all been through tons of different things in our lives. We've all learned different things from our experiences or maybe stuff we've studied in school or maybe stuff we've seen in our careers. So um, I hate when we put, put each other in boxes, but it happens every single day today. And that's one big thing right. that's popular here is that. We have people on here to listen to their stories. We want to be open to hearing other people's stories. People hear what we're about. We want to hear what other people are about. And it gets those stories out there and lets people formulate their own opinions. Right. And I also think I love part it. of this thing, too, just like you said, yeah, Chris, just like you said earlier, I think listening. And I think, you know, your example, putting people in the box is so true because with that, like, it's like almost we've become a society where, Chris, you don't like guns, but. I've got guns, but it, it, we become a society that if you and I are friends, it's looked on as almost like taboo. Like, well, wait a minute. You can't, you know, it, it, you, you, just because you have to hang out with the people that don't like guns and you have to hang out with the people that do like guns. And it's just, and I don't think people are listening to their themselves. More, they're listening to everybody else. Well, I mean, d- division I agree, right now yeah. sells, doesn't it? I mean, division sells. Division, like you got to be in, you got to sure be does. in the camp. We put faith in these 
you know, presidential candidates and things like that. And all this is about is like, I have to like him because if I don't, I'm not credible. Or if I don't like a hundred percent of the things that this person likes, I therefore am not credible. Like I can't make a choice uh, as a Catholic to say that, you know, something about abortion without me being kicked out of, you know, Catholicism. And like, there's too yeah. many of those things that happen in our world. And, and I think what it leads to is like people get paranoid and people get surrounded in echo chambers and, and, and things like that. And that can lead to balkanization. And if you know anything about history, like when that's happened in the past, it's not good. I mean, the nation we're talking about is Yugoslavia. It didn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore because people could not get along with each other. And it didn't matter. No, they all looked alike. They all lived in the same places. But you're in this group. I'm in that group. And this other guy's in that group over there. And eventually one of them's going to be in power and hold us accountable for what we did wrong. And, and if we're not careful in America, we could be going down that route. People think, oh, we're Americans. This would never happen. We're a very oh. young nation. I said before, and I'll say it again. We if we keep letting this happen and we stop listening to people that have good perspective about what you should really understand about hate like Chris, uh, you know, Chris Singleton, that is it. We got too many Chris's on the show right now. I'm sorry. I keep kind of referring to too many Chris's, but <laughs> our guest, that's the name he, of the episode. Too many Chris's. Yeah. Two Chris's <laughs> talk. Is what it should be. Great. Two Chris's talking to me. This guy could pinch that. Like, what happened? I Wait, what fired. happened? What happened? Like if it was my idea and I got fired. Um, but uh, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like your backstory, how you would share with your audience, uh, you know, how you got to this point so people can kind of have some proper perspective of this. Cause I don't know if everyone understands what happened with you. Yeah, man. So I, I literally call it the unthinkable. Um, you know, I say there was two things that I wanted in my life before my mother was, was, was murdered. And it was number one, I wanted to get drafted, right. I wanted to get drafted by any team. It didn't have to be the Cubs. It was any team. Right. And then number two, I wanted to buy my mom a, a really nice Range Rover, right? Because she was a teacher, knew she could never afford <laughs> nice. one. So yeah, those are right, the only two right, things right. I wanted in my life until uh, June 17, 2015, uh, when there was a young man by the name of Dylan Roof who walked into my church uh, with eight magazines of bullets. And he, uh, he fired over 70 bullets in my church and he took nine lives. Um, and at Mother Emanuel AME Church, my mom was one of the victims that was murdered that night. And um, after this, you know, he came out and said he wanted to start a race war in this country. That was his reasoning behind um, taking the nine lives at the African-American, uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church at my church. And, uh, you know, I, I credit I can't even credit our city too much because I, I think it was like it was God more than anything. I'm a believer. Right. If you would have told me, Chris, you're going to forgive your mother's killer for taking her, you know, taking her life uh, when you're 18 years old, I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> And I think that it was something out of this world that was working through me during those times. Mm -hmm. um, but I forgave my mother's killer. And I said, you know, love is stronger than hate. So if we just would love the way my mom would, hate won't, won't be anywhere close to where love is. I said those words, man. And, and you know, lucky enough, we, we all came together. There was no point in fingers. It was, you know, what happened before. It was none of that. We saw wrong was wrong. We saw it. We said, hey, this guy wanted to start a race war. Now let's come together. We locked arms and... You know, Charleston, South Carolina, I still live here because of the way that the city wrapped its arms around me, around other people. Um, we marched. We marched together on, on a bridge peace, peacefully, thousands, tens of thousands of us. Um, and so after that happened, my, my life has been committed to now uh, having a conversation about race with people that don't want to do it. <laughs> so I do it in schools with different companies. I do it with professional athletes. Um, but But really, more so than anything, I do it so... We don't get canceled, right? Because I don't like the cancel culture. I don't at all. 
And I, no. I, I actually, I, I do it because yeah. I want people to say, hey, Chris, if you don't have somebody that doesn't like guns in your circle, guess what? You know, when somebody says something that you don't agree with, you automatically cancel them. Chris, you know what, Sean, if I don't have somebody in my circle that doesn't, that does like guns, that doesn't even, if I don't have somebody that I know that actually carries um, all the time, then I automatically just think things about people that are just blatantly wrong. Right. And so for me, right. I say, okay, if, if we aren't fortunate enough to have diverse friends, we're not fortunate enough to have uh, maybe that diverse family um, or at least diverse in thoughts, right? If, we, if, we're, if we're not lucky enough to have those things, then we need to kind of force these conversations that we're having right now, just so we can get those different perspectives like you guys are doing. Right. 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 Chris. And I just, I think one of the things that we, uh, you know, to have those diverse conversations is, is kind of like one of the things to my opinion that we have to, we have to admit is we just have to start referring to everybody as humans. And I think it was Morgan, I think it was Morgan Freeman that said it the best that, you know, you have to start talking, talking to each other. Hey, I'm talking to Chris Singleton, a black guy. You know know what I'm saying? I think that whole thing just has to be taken out because ultimately it's just human to human. And, and, and I don't, and and I had this conversation on on a call one time and we had a, we had a domestic and, and, and the guy was, you know, the whole down the whole racist pass and everything like that. And, you know, he was just agitated, but long story short, we had like a 15 minute conversation about this whole thing about, you know, stop using color. And, you know, one of the things that I brought up to him or that during this conversation, he was like, you know, about coming and going to calls and everything is I brought up to him. I said, you know, I've been on a job 20 years. And whenever that radio job came in, I never picked up the mic and said, Hey, what color are they? I went and I went because there are human beings that needed our help. And we all went to do that. And I think if we start taking that aspect that it's people to people and what's in their best interest and pull color out, I think that's a huge step in my opinion. Yeah. yeah let me, the- let me, let me touch on that real quick, Sean. So ahead, Chris, I think as, as you guys are officers, like that's that, I feel like that's literally what you guys signed up to do, right. To serve and protect, right. It doesn't not just serve and protect this neighborhood or that neighborhood. You, you signed to serve and protect everybody. Like you mentioned, you hear the call come in, you don't ask, Hey, Who's on the other end that needs my help? You say I'm I'm on the way, right? right? I'm here to serve you guys. Um, but I would also say this: this is what I call a teaching moment, right? Because a lot of times we say, you know, I don't see color. I don't think we should see color. But you know what, Chris? I think we should see it, but we shouldn't just automatically think this about this person because of their color. So I'll give you I'll give you an example. True. So, so my wife is Brazilian, right? So all of her family's from Brazil, mm-hmm. and so I would never say. Hey, I don't even want to notice that you're different than who, like I'm an African-American, she's Brazilian. Like, I feel like sometimes we can say the words, you know, I don't see color or I just look at people as people. Yes, we're, we're all human beings, but also I want to celebrate her culture, right? I want to figure out more about right. where she's from. I want to actually know about Portuguese. My son's learning Portuguese. I don't want to pretend like I, you know, I, I don't want him <laughs> saying something to mine. Right, I don't right, understand. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Look at that, bro. That's a hard name. Right, right, right. right. Exactly. So, so, so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like sometimes we say, you know, we, we don't, we don't see color, right. Which I think is always in a good way, but I think we should see the color, but we should celebrate it instead. You know? So I, I I agree with you in the fact that you you don't, yeah. yeah, You see what I'm saying? Like, so, so if I have a buddy of mine that grew up different than me, maybe his culture is different than me. Um, 
you know, I never missed meals growing up. I was I was privileged to never miss meals. And so when I talked to one of my buddies that missed meals growing up and he tells me something about perspective, I, I don't have. He, I can learn in that moment and say, you know what, man, I'm not going to pretend like you didn't come from a neighborhood that I came from. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you came from the same neighborhood as I did. Sure. I, right. We didn't. You know what I'm saying? But oh. you can teach me in that moment. And now I have a better understanding. You know, Chris, it's I, cool. I, I, I agree. Yeah. It's cool. You're saying that because it does help some people to hear that. Like I had a situation with an officer that I was talking with and I'm like, well, why didn't you just kind of ask him about that? And his response to me is, I, I didn't want him to think I was racist. And I was just like, well, kind of, it's like, they know that they're, you know, that color or that origin, but it's so right. awkward at times. It seems like, <laughs> When you're in this position, because I obviously like we all listen to what's going on in our world, whether we agree with it or not, it does tick at you like the idea of white privilege and all of these things. I, I'm going to tell you, I don't honestly agree with it. I didn't grow up in any great shakes, but in the same sense, you hear it and you want to be sensitive to that and you don't want to be like mean to people about those kind of things. But it does create these awkward circumstances that it's like. How do I roll through this? Like, I'm a, you know, a 54 year old white male and I'm trying to talk to a young black man or a young white man about how to deal with a young black man. And he's looking at me like, didn't you get us in this mess? And you're kind of like, oh, wow, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's, not, it's like and, and I think what's happening is a lot of people just give up and go, I'll just shut up and hope it doesn't become a problem. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a problem. What, it's a problem. I, how I handle it is, is the way I learned, the, you know, over the last, you know, basically over my last career, I asked them. You know, I asked them about their culture, but I also asked them, okay. Life story, how do I handle it? Like how, if you were me, how would you handle it? And then that kind of opens up a, up a dialogue where, okay, I understand. I see what, how you would handle it, but here's the parameters of the law that I have to work with. So I've always, I just asked that question. If you were me, when it was, you know, if you get questioned, how based on you know your culture and your upbringing and, and and your life story how do you handle it and i think that's opened up a lot of conversations for people between me and i've learned a ton you know and you know it's it's all you know on the positive side of how i approach people how i, I get things done that's good man you you want to hear something like i like i love this conversation by the way so there's a couple of things i want to touch on real quick so um, a lot of times you hear the words like white privilege and, and people get upset at like, man, you know, I, I came from nothing. Like I literally worked my behind off to get here. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think some people hear those words, but, and they turn everything else off. So for me, I always say I'm privileged. I'm a young black man, right? I'm a young black man, but I'm privileged because I'm in America. Right. right. I'm go. privileged because I was born in the States. Right. I'm privileged because I had two parents that went to college. Right. I'm privileged because I never miss meals. Now, do those things make me a bad person? Absolutely not. But you know what makes me a bad person? If I see somebody else from a different country and I say, oh, man, you know, I'm not privileged to be like I I had to work extremely hard to be here. Right. You know, I I lost both of my parents right before I was 18. I'm taking care of teenagers as a teenager, Mm -hmm. but I'm still privileged, even though I went through a ton of crap in my life. I'm still privileged. And I think sometimes we, right. we say, you know what, if I went through this or I worked extremely hard to get here, there's no way I can be privileged, but you can. And so let me let me tell you what it is. So f- there's nothing wrong with being privileged, by the way, because, you know, one day this, this is how somebody explained it to me. One day you want your son to be standing on second base. Right. Because you got him there. He didn't have to go to first. 
you know, hopefully, Lord willing, you, you got him the first by your hard work. You got him a second by your hard work. But the only problem is if your son says, look at me, I hit a double. <laughs> when in actuality, you know, that right. is hard work. Right. Got you to second base, son. Right, right, right. That is hard work. Got you to second, man. Don't <laughs> you didn't just hit that double. You know what I'm saying? That, that's our, that's a lot our of people hoping you hit that right double. There, boys. Right, right. Well, and to your point, Chris, right I mean, there, boys. you it's you, you don't have to feel bad about what you have, but what do you do with what you have? You know what I mean? Like, hey, if I've been fortunate enough to be raised this way or that way, or I've, you know, I haven't ever had to struggle to eat or do those kinds of things, then those should be the things that you think about going down the road. And you like you in your situation, you know, you're talking about encountering people like that and saying, well, maybe there's something I can do to help you because you haven't you haven't had some of those things that some of us just take for granted. Yeah. And I'd also see it in school. So, you know, you'd, you'd have a kid who 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 gets to uh, gets to the, the breakfast line first. He's on free and reduced lunch. Right. Talking about Title One schools where, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's at least 70 percent or 90 percent of the kids are on free and reduced lunch. And so the kid gets to school. I remember hearing this story. A kid gets to school. He cuts the line every single morning. Right. And the teacher's just upset. Like what? Every single morning you cut the line. And finally, the kid has enough courage to say, hey, I didn't eat dinner last night. That's why I always cut the line. I want to be first, right, to get a hot meal, because that means so much to me. And if you're somebody that never missed a meal, you don't know how it feels when your stomach is turning. You know what I'm saying? And you want just want a hot meal and and you don't know how that feels. So that's why I love it, Chris, when you said, hey, if you were me, how would you handle this situation? Okay, and then you say, you know what, I probably can't do that because that's probably, you know, my career says I can't do that. But I, but I value what you're saying because now I, I have the understanding. I have the empathy to say, you know what? I never miss meals, but you just explained how, the turning of your stomach. And now I'm imagining myself with that feeling like, okay, you know what? I, I understand now. Right, right. And right. It's, like, it's wild enough, like Chris, your point, like you say, we actually live in a world where people that that idea is completely, at least in the States, that is completely foreign to people like, what would that feel like to actually be hungry? You know what I mean? Like you, you don't know. And I obviously, I'm not trying to say there's not a hunger problem in the States or anything like that. But you know, when you look at it, it, there's so many people that can't kind of grasp that. Now, you know, one of the things that kind of changed everything, put everything on its ear was obviously what happened with George Floyd uh, in that situation. Do you find that that's created uh, opportunities, difficulties for you and your message, things like that? Or do you, do you feel it's divided people up too much? And they're like, well, he's talking about us coming together. We don't want to hear that. Or, I mean, what, what has that done for you? What, what dynamic is that created? Cause you travel all over the country to talk to people. Yeah, man. And I actually, uh, I, I, people talk about that all the time right now, obviously last year they were talking about it even more. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been a great opportunity for us to talk about it. So, um, I actually called one of my one of my really good friends. His name is Officer Bloom, um, and he works for uh, Fargo Police Department. So every single year, me and Officer Bloom, we, I'd go up there. We hit up like six or seven schools, and uh, we do like these uh, assemblies. We and it's really cool because he's a white dude, and he he would rap to all the students. And first of all, you, you're like what? You know what I'm saying? So we go to, we go to these high schools, and we're playing this music. All of a sudden, Officer Blooms comes out there, yo. He starts killing it too, and the kids love it, man. It's really cool because they're like, I've never seen an officer come out here and start rapping like this and kill it. And so we, you know, we we do stuff like that. So we have a great relationship. And so I called him up when everything went down, and he's like, Chris, I'm at a loss for words, man. Um, I, I I don't understand it. And so I'd hear stuff like that, and because I have the 
opportunity to talk to an officer about things, things of that nature. You know, I didn't feel, I would never feel like, Hey, every officer feels this way or every officer is doing this or X, Y, and Z, because mm-hmm. I have the privilege of being able to talk to officers where some people don't feel like they, they have that, op- that opportunity, or they say to themselves, you know what? I don't know if I even want to, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. Uh, but I had the opportunity to talk to them and it was a good, it was an open space dialogue for us to talk about it. Um, now I've also seen people say two things, right? If you've ever had an encounter with an officer, uh, in a negative way, you're probably saying when you see the video of George Floyd, you're probably screaming, get off of him. Like, what do you like? Get off of him, Right. Mm-hmm. But if you've never had a bad, bad experience with an officer or you don't come from a community that maybe has had a bad experience, then you're probably saying, what the heck did this guy do? You know what I'm saying? What, what did he do? Mm-hmm. What did George Floyd do? And right. so I think I've seen both sides of it. When we talk about the dialogue we have, some people uh, just say, what did, what did the guy do to deserve this? Right. Then some people say, just get off of the guy. Yeah. And I think right. there's there's no wrong answer because it's a lot of times it's it's our experiences that show us, hey, if I've never experienced anything bad with an officer, my automatic thought is, man, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. But if I've experienced something bad before or mm-hmm. or, or an experience that wasn't pleasant, I would say to myself immediately when I see the video, I'm thinking, man, get off of the guy. Right. And so I've seen a great dialogue come from 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 that happening. And it hasn't helped hurt my message um, because at the end of the day whether you agree with something or don't agree with something, I'm still going to love you regardless, but I want you to understand. I want you to understand my perspective. I want to understand yours as well. So right. how, how hard right. was it um, that first time that you got out there and started telling your story? And obviously it's a very powerful story about what happened, but how hard was it for you when you got out there and we're talking in front of people talking about this tragic thing that happened? Yeah, man, it, it was tough for sure. I mean, it's it's not easy now talking about my mom being murdered, right? So it never gets easy, but I'd say now it's more therapeutic than other than, than not. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen things, experienced things as officers, and I, I tip my cap to you because I, I've heard stories of some of the things that officers are have seen and have dealt with. And I'm like, man, that's that's a burden. That's a, some a lot to carry. And so oftentimes we don't talk about none of that stuff. And so it's just something that's there or you become numb to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I get to share about these things and it's kind of therapeutic for me. Um, and so it was tough at first, but I, I switched my perspective with it. And now I just think about it as, man, I get to go on and inspire some people, hopefully change some perspectives. Um, if I don't even change them, at least they can hear my perspective and have a new new one to kind of bounce back and forth. Right, um, right. And it's therapeutic for me. That's good. It's good to hear. I mean, and the more you talk about it, the more you can share it and the more you get it off your chest. They say that that's like cathartic in that sense. Now we talk about your mom a little bit. Is that where your, like your optimism comes from? I mean, is that was, you said she was a teacher and you needed to get her that Range Rover or or was it a Range Rover or a Land Rover? I can't remember what you said. Range, man. Range Rover. I'm a car guy. My mom doesn't drive anymore. So she didn't even talk to me about (laughs) (laughs) cars. But uh, tell us a little bit about her, man. I'd, I'd love to hear uh, like the backstory on your mom. Yeah, man. So my mom's actually from Newark, New Jersey. Um, oh, grew get up in out. Yeah, man. Newark, yeah, I'm, New Jersey. I'm from Jersey. I'm from Jersey. He's a Jersey okay. guy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I get it. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, I know why she, yeah, he's man, into so. her now, man. They're all good. <laughs> Jersey girls, yeah. Jersey girls, best in the world. That's what they say all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So she was from, she's from Jersey. 
you know, she grew up in the, the projects up there, but she was super fast, right? And so she actually got a full-time track scholarship to run at South Carolina State. Uh, oh, ran really? track nice. there. Uh, speech language. Yeah, man. Speech language <laughs> pathology is there. Uh, ended up, you know, meeting my dad in college. My dad was an athlete as well, uh, but he partied too much. So he had to, <laughs> he stopped going to practice and problem. started. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so but, but my mom was, was a, you know, she was caring. She ended up becoming a minister. She was an ordained minister, children's church pastor at my church at Mother Emanuel. Oh, nice. um, but I credit her, man. She would always, you know, I speak professionally for a living now. And she would always, you know, say, Chris, you got to say this the right way. You got to say that the right way. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't let me talk slang in the house. Right. She was like, boy, say, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I credit her because, you know, now it's, it's, it's funny how the world works and now this is what I'm doing. Um, but she was loving, man. And, and yeah. one thing, one of the, the, one of the examples that I say about my mom, so she was a minister, right? So obviously she was a Christian, you know, big in her faith. But she didn't really throw the brick of Christianity at me or religion at me. Right. Right. She didn't throw that brick at me, which a lot of parents do if you raise up in the church. Um, and some people deflect it and they're like, man, get out. Like once I, once I'm out of the house, I'm done with it. You know, yeah, right. my mom was kind of like she she placed a blanket of like, hey, faith and love. And uh, because she did that, you know, it, now I, when I when I talk about race, when I talk about just different things that are kind of tough subjects. I don't want to place a blanket on somebody. I don't, I don't want to throw the brick of, of even if I know somebody's heart's not in the right place because they hate me because of the color of my skin, I still don't want to throw a brick at them. Right. right. I don't want that. I want to place this blanket of love on them. And hopefully that blanket of love, you know, changes the heart. Right. Reciprocates. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's good. But she, she's definitely speaking through you, man. I can tell you that right now. That's good stuff to hear, man. For that's sure. a positive influence like that. I mean, first and foremost, to convince anybody to public speak anywhere, they say people with public speaking, they pull people and they say they're more afraid of that than death. I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, really? Really? Wow. really? And they're yeah. I, yeah. I, like so many people I know, like, I don't know how you talk in front of people. It's just like, I don't know, you just do it, I guess. But like your mom's yeah. got a gift for it. I mean, she, she's talking to a congregation and she's got to move people at the same time. And it's great that she's passed it on to you. She's living through you. It's awesome. Yeah, sure, man. And I love so, it. Yeah. So, Kristen, I, based on where, where we're at today and all this stuff going on, I mean, and this is one of the things I think I find most difficult, too, is how did you find the courage and the strength and get deep down in your gut to forgive this guy. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I, I, I can't forgive him. And I don't even, I don't even know the man. I, I it's, it's hard. How did you do that? Right. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a couple of different reasons why forgiveness was key for me. Um, number one, I think it was something out of this world. I can't credit myself. You know, I'd be lying to you guys if I just said, Oh yeah, right after it happened, I just thought if I forgive him, this would happen. No, I didn't think about any of that. Right. So I think it was right. something that was out of this world speaking through me, but I understand why now. Because now I, I, I think about it like this. If he would have had a Chris Singleton in his life growing up, if he would have had, you know, Sean as a father, if he would have had, you know, Chris as a grandfather, like if he, if he would have had uh, Chrissy's husband as, a, as, a, as an uncle, as an uncle, I think there's no way, man. I, I think like he was taught wrong. I think that he was taught wrong and he didn't have somebody to tell him. Hey, regardless of what you, you know, regardless of what you think about black people, well, regardless of what you see on the internet that you're studying, that's wrong. um, I know Chris or as a father or uncle Sean, you're saying, you know what, man, I I actually have a relationship with Chris 
and you're totally wrong, son right. or, or, or nephew. And so I think about it in that sense that that number one, forgiveness for me doesn't mean I I haven't I've forgotten. People say you forgive and you forget. I don't I don't think that's possible. Um, so I haven't forgotten about it. But now forgiveness has allowed me to move forward and stop future Dylan roofs from happening. So that's my perspective on it now. Um, and you know what else forgiveness does for me, to be honest with you guys? And people don't talk about forgiveness in this sense, but for, for forgiveness for me says, you know what? Now I don't need an apology. He's never said sorry. He, he probably never will say sorry. But you know what right. forgiveness does for me? I don't need that. I yeah, don't it need lets it. You, it lets right. you move on. You know, it lets you You're move free. on. And, You're free of it. Right. And you know what else I say? I always say, like, it, it helps me move forward because I probably won't ever move on from my mom being shot while she was praying and killed. While she, like, I probably never move on from that. But I can move forward and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow that to be the 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 crutch that allows me to never move forward in my life. Right. And so that's kind of the way that I, I phrase it in my mind now. Yeah. You don't let it drag you down. You don't let it drag you down for the rest of your life. You know, what I mean, it's a horrible, horrible experience. But you took something awful and turned it into something positive and got a positive message out to people about how they can live their lives. Yeah. I don't think I'd be doing it like I people ask me if I, you know, would I be a speaker and stuff like that? If my mom wasn't killed, probably not. Like I didn't, it's not something that I just wanted to do. Um, but now I feel like to honor, it's one way I honor my mom, but another way deep down, I honestly believe, and I've seen, I've seen 60 year old men say, Chris, for the first time I realized it's a choice for me to be racist. Like I don't have to be this way. Like I've seen these things happen, you know? And, and so for me, it's also saying, okay, now it's a, it's a gift to my mom because she's not here anymore, but also, I'm stopping, stopping people in the future from taking lives potentially because of the color of somebody's skin. You know, I was reading something the other day, Chris, um, that, you know, causes me to worry. Uh, you know, they talk about Dr. King and even he reached a point where he was tired of the lack of progress. As they said, he got, you know, letter from the Birmingham jail and things like things along those lines. And you, and you dig a little deeper in on him and you understand a little bit more. And you think like, have we reached the point? Are you so unique in the fact that you are a young man and you're truly, truly faced firsthand, like the innocence of that situation, like in a, you know, in, in God's house, she's praying and she's gunned down and you can rise above that. And you see people that are upset with circumstances that might not be the same. And I understand it is. And people are upset by those things. But do you think we've gotten to the point where people are just not listening anymore? It's, it's, it's not progress enough for them and we can't come back from it. Like, what, what do you say to people that may feel that way that are concerned about that? Yeah. yeah well, well, number one, I try to never compare tragedy. So some people's tragedy may, may be that they were called the N word. And that was the end of the, that was, that was it for them. Right. That was like the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And some people's tragedy was when a man literally took their, their loved one's life because of their skin color. Right. So that I don't try to compare tragedies. You want to know why Sean, because some people, when they're getting called the N word, maybe that is the hardest thing that'll mm-hmm. ever happen or the worst thing that'll ever happen right. to them. Exactly. Right. Maybe they, maybe they'll have a life full right. of sunshine and rainbows. Right. Right. Um, right. And so I, I don't compare in that sense, but I will say this. I have hope now because with me sharing my message, like I said, people will come up to me and say, man, you know what, Chris, I've actually hated young black men for years because I was jumped by a young black dude when I was in high school, beat me up pretty bad, almost lost my life. But after hearing you, and seeing that you could actually say you you forgave your mother's killer after he murdered her, there's no way I should still feel that way towards people that are like you, right? That are, that are as a young black man, literally the person that I felt like jumped me back in the day. 
and I've hated them for years. And I feel like when I see stuff like that, it gives me hope, man. Now, I think, yes, we have some ways to go. And yes, I feel like the, 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 the meters moving and sometimes it goes back and sometimes it goes forward and it's go, right. but, but when I hear stories like that, man, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going forward. And I can't, I can't fake like that stuff doesn't, doesn't get me juiced up because it does, man. It does. I hear, check this out. I heard a woman for the first time after Ahmaud Arbery, uh, was killed. Um, I, I heard a woman for the first time say, Chris, I actually put myself in the shoes of a black woman for the first time. And she told me this story and I want you guys to hear this. So she, she lives in the neighborhood and there was a lady that, uh, a lady had two, actually two kids that were about to go to the Citadel, Sean. So these two, yeah, these two black kids, they're twins. They're about to go to the Citadel. So they're running every single morning. They're getting ready for that knob year. You know what I'm saying? So they're Uh, they're getting ready for it. You're coming (laughs) back in a couple of days. Yeah. (laughs) And so they're getting ready for their their knob year. So they, they go run every single morning. And this lady, the, the kid's mom. So there's just two black kids and the mom actually puts in the Facebook group message. She says, uh, or the neighborhood group, group, Facebook page or whatever you got, but people have. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so I don't have that in my neighborhood, but most people have like a, Facebook group or something like HOA or whatever it may be. And she says, Hey, just want you guys to know that my sons will be running um, every single morning. And the lady, the lady said, Hey, I I know exactly why she put that in there. Right. She's got two black sons that are running. And you know what her husband, her husband says, Oh, our kids might go to Citadel too, man. Let's, they can go train together. And so the husband has no idea why she put that in the, in the, uh, the neighborhood chat. And so, she, you know, the, the wife's like, Hey, I know why she did that. Husband's like, what are you talking about? They're about to go to Citadel together. Like probably just want somebody to train with. And the lady said, no, I bet she's terrified that her sons are going to be shot and killed while they're running. And the husband's like, there's no way. They probably just want a, a running buddy. Mm-hmm. And the lady said, you know what? I'm putting myself in her shoes right now. And she said, yeah, Chris, mean- this is the first time I've ever done that. And right. when I hear stuff like that, I think it's powerful, man. I, right. 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 Gives me hope. And it gives you, and again, a lot of it for the longest time was that, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're pretty much from up North. I went to school down here in the eighties and I loved it. And I didn't quite know what I was doing because I was trying to survive that knob year and everything else. Um, but then when I left, I was like, man, there's something about that place. I got to go back to it because when you talk about like Chicago, I mean, Chicago is a large concentration of African-Americans Probably maybe some people say the largest, maybe Atlanta is a little bit more now. I'm going to understand because of the exodus, but it's everyone kind of keeps in their own neighborhoods into themselves. So you never really get to experience it other than what is presented to you. And I've said this on other shows and I was doing a little study on Laquan McDonald and the shooting that happened up there. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it was a racially divisive issue in the city because it was largely covered up by politicians for a while. Um, but I remember when they were interviewing these kids on this NPR or, uh, you know, WBZ is the network up there that covered it. It's called 16 shots. And they were interviewing these kids from the inner city. And they're like, yeah, you know what it is? We're people. And all you do is portray us. And they're telling this to the people from the media. All you do is portray us in this certain light. You only care about when we're shooting and killing each other. You don't care about anything else other than that. And I've said before, and we say the same thing about the media. The media portrays cops in the same light. So back, this is back to your story of in the box. 
And when we're in the box, we're comfortable. We know we don't have to think because somebody else is thinking for us. But you take a step out of that and you go, she's saying that because of what she's seeing about what's going on in this country. Two black kids running through a neighborhood. Somebody must have thought they must have broke into something. Let me get my gun out. Let me do something stupid and confront them. If you're a black kid just running to prepare for the city. You're like, hey, why are you hassling me? What you know? What And then it culminates and turns into something it isn't. So I completely understand where you're coming from. But a lot of it is, is like, what people are led to believe about that. So you getting out and talking to people is huge because a lot of times you run into walls in that. Like, hey, I want to hear what you got to say. Tell me. Oh, you can't ask him that. That's going to piss him off because you're asking something about race. We got to put that aside. It's like, hey, man, explain it to me. Tell me what you mean. Right. Look, I, look right. I'm a white boy from New Jersey. I lived with a bunch of other white people, white Polish people, white Irish people, and then white Jewish people. And we like we're close to the biggest, most diverse city in the world. New York City, you could see the skyline from our houses. And we still lived only amongst the people that we knew and we never got to know anybody else. And it really creates a whole lot of issues. Uh, you know, and it's great that you're out here talking to people about that because we got to start talking to each other. You can't be afraid of it either. Like right. are. at exactly. times it's uncomfortable. You can't be afraid to ask people these questions. If somebody gets upset with you about that, that says more about them than it does about you, but at least you got to make that extension. And I think through let the me, show, we've done that a lot. Sure. Let me let me echo that. I, I think that was probably the best point we we made all night. Like you can't get upset, you know, when you're having those conversations. But you know, when people actually do get upset, well, they don't know who you are personally, right? So right. this this is an example. I actually use this in a lot of my corporate talks. I always say like, relationships will supersede being politically correct. Again, I'll say relationships will supersede being politically correct. So if I don't if I don't know who you are, Chris, and I say something that's offensive and I don't know it, right? You're gonna you're gonna hear it and you're automatically gonna be like, man, I don't rock with Chris Singleton no more, right? But you right. know what happens? Right. You know what happens, Scott? When when my uh one of my buddies that actually one of my uh, groomsmen in my wedding, um, when we're listening to a <laughs> a rap song or something, um, and he says the n-word, right? I cut the music. I'm whoa, you know, whoa. <laughs> Whoa, you know, we're not going to say that, right? I, I teach him in that right. moment. He's like, Chris, come on now. You know, I would never. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. But let me teach you in this moment. We have those, we have that relationship. So, so I don't, I don't have, I'm not going to cancel them. And he doesn't always have to be politically correct around me, but I can also teach him in those moments. Like, bro, you know, you're my, you're my guy. So let me tell you what you should be saying, or you shouldn't be saying, you know what I mean? So right. if we have those relationships, right. that's where growth happens. Right. But unfortunately, like you said, the divisiveness sells. You, you, even even just thinking about the two examples you gave, right? In those neighborhoods, they're not gonna they're gonna talk about the shootings. They're not gonna talk about the kid that's you know that's an entrepreneur in the second grade making two hundred bucks a week right. selling lemonade, right? They're not, right. They're not gonna talk right. about the officers right. that are uh, playing pickup basketball, uh, community policing, right. like getting buckets with kids. Like they'll show that story for thirty seconds on the news, but they're right. also gonna show that fifteen minute segment of how many people were shot and killed in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. man, if 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 the good stuff sold as much sold as much as the bad stuff, man, there'd be a lot more smiles and a lot more unity right. in this world, I believe. Yes, oh, 100 percent And and, no. and I and I think with that, with that, Chris, I think it, it would also it would show that the humanization of everybody. And I think it would open up more doors for the conversations that we're, that we need to have. I, I really do. I really think at the end of the day, man, like I, I always say this, we, a lot of people laugh about the same things. We cry about the same things, whether it's in this, you know, whether we look the same, whether we speak the same language or not, like we're human beings, right? We right. are. 
Um, our cultures may be different. We may like different foods. You may like spicy food. I may like, you know, and it, like there's so many different things about us, but we, I, I guarantee, you know, if we ever are blessed enough to have grandkids. I guarantee we're going to, you know, smile and, or cry at the same way when we, when we meet that our first grandbaby, the same way I was nervous about having my, my son and I'm nervous about my second son on the way. Like <laughs> right. everybody's nervous right. about those things, yeah, regardless yeah. of where we're from or where right. we live, you know, my right. son's 18 and I'm still right. nervous. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this. You're, ta- you're talking about food, though. I'm gonna tell you right now. I God, I hope my kids get more of your food, Chris, than my food because our food is terrible. It is awful. Like Since I've been back down cabbage, here, oh, yeah, right. Wrong. Everything's boiled. That's like wrong. you get down here, and like I mean, I seriously, there's a thing on Netflix now about uh, African. Uh, American and African culture and our food. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to go out there and get fatter and fatter and get more heart <laughs> disease because all this stuff is. And they're talking about going back to Africa and Ghana and all these foods. And I'm like, man, yeah, Ireland's just Sounds this little good. tiny nation. It's, it's, kind of, by water. it's kind of funny you brought that up, Sean. It's kind of funny you brought that up because we were actually having a conversation about that show the other day because not only they're, they're doing like that's a whole thing. Like, one of the, like, we're trying to use this show to bring people together through like conversation. That show came stemmed from bringing people together through food. It was actually funny you mentioned that. We were just talking about that the other day. Hey, I can th- I can throw some Norwegian recipes into the mix if you want. I mean, really, and there's one thing the, the Norwegians are really known for some delicacies. Yeah, that are, you know, just, right, the right. show's not being hosted by a white guy. That's because our food sucks. That's for sure. Unless it's deep fried. Uh, Chris, talk to us a little bit about your uh, your speaking circuit, particularly the love is stronger than hate. Like, is that that's your brand? That's your model? That's your motto? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So I'd say majority of it, if I, you know, I'm probably speak like 78 times this year, I think is what I have on my calendar. So most of those are uh, school, school districts with teachers and students. I'll do like PD with uh, staff and I'll do like school assemblies uh, with students. Um, other than that, I speak, you know, I speak to professional sports teams all the time. Um, I shouldn't say all the time, probably like six to seven a year is what I'll, I'll speak to those that many professional teams, the Washington Wizards, the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, supposed to speak to the Detroit Lions coming up. Like I mentioned, the Houston Texans, So stuff like that. Um, colleges, athletic programs, um, and then companies uh, have recently started to reach out over the last like three years. And I've been really sharing with probably 15 to 20 companies a year. Nice. Um, and usually when I come in, man, it's, it's funny. Like after being, I'm 20, 25 right now, right? I'm 25 and I'm 25 year old coming to speak to some executives. Two kids, that might... man. You're old school, brother. I know, man. Two, 25 on, man. Kids, it's like talking to my dad. <laughs> no, nah, man. I... Culture, it's like, I didn't have two kids until I was 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, man? My high school sweetheart, high school sweetheart, man. Oh, good for you, man. Nice. That's, that's nice. Good nice. Man, my, nice. Man. All right. Nice. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'm I'm on the road a decent amount uh with, with that with that good stuff, but I love it, man. It's different places that I get to share. I'm actually about to speak to the South Carolina Law Enforcement Conference conference in uh November. It should be fun. Um, really? Where's it going to be in there. Columbia? It's going to be in Columbia. Where's it going to be? I'd have to look at my calendar. I think it's going to be in okay. Columbia. Yeah. I'll get, with, I'll get with Miss Maddie on that one to see if she can give me a heads up, and I I, I hopefully be in that audience with some of my guys. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah, phenomenal. That'd be good. Maddie, yeah. Maddie Grace, yeah, she's get a picture. Yeah, she's all right. She's yeah, she's the real deal for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, man. So, Chris, where can they uh, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, uh, web, whatever. Get everybody your thing so they can find you. So you can plug yourself here. Yeah, man. Social media is um, 
All of them are verified. C Singleton underscore two. Um, and it, let me let me also say this. If you Google Chris Singleton, you'll see my photos, but you'll see a different bio. There's another Chris Singleton that played in the big leagues. I didn't play in the big leagues, right? Uh, but he's also 48. I'm not 48. I'm only 25. <laughs> so it's not me. Yeah. So Chris again, Singleton it's, it's C Singleton. C Singleton underscore, underscore two. Yep. And then website chrissingleton.com. Yeah, hook him up. Come, the calm your pay. school. Uh, it, it's, this, this is good right. messages. I mean, particularly for young people to hear because it's like they're going to yes. bear the brunt of this if we don't do better about this. So those babies he's got are going to be growing up in a world where, you know, you can listen to people and not just shut them off because they disagree with each other. And Chris is a great guy to, to kind of have him come in. You can kind of reach through our show as well if you want to. And Chris is going to do the outro on that for us. Uh, but please reach out to us and we'll, we'll steer you towards him as well. Right. 100%. And no, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate uh, you really taking, uh, taking the time for this. And and I appreciate the lessons that you've just taught people in the last hour about, you know, love, hate, forgiveness, togetherness. It's, it's really, and I I still give you a lot of credit for digging deep um, inside yourself to, to, to take this, um, you know, I can't call it anything other but a devastation in your life and turning to something positive for the entire yeah, world. Thank so you thank you much. for that. That's huge. Thank you. So anybody, um, first and foremost, thank you for listening to the show. And if you need, uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, and get a hold of Chris, if you can't get a hold of him, you could email us. Or if you have a suggestion for a show, comments or, or suggestions, you could email, email us at three cops talk at gmail.com. That's a number three cops talk at gmail.com. And also go to our website and please, wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, download, subscribe, leave a rating and review. We're still a small venue trying to get out a very strong message. Uh, we'd appreciate everything you could do for us. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thank, Thank you, Chris. Can you be safe, brother?